Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today I want to get back into the realm of philosophy, and I wanted to, as I said in an earlier podcast, kind of get back to a little more chronological. Um, still keeping it introductory, but I want to keep it a little more chronological with Western philosophy. So today what I want to talk about is a little bit of uh, Plato and Aristotle, and how these two um, kind of compared and contrasted with each other, some of the similar ideas. Uh, one of the things to note about Plato and Aristotle is that Aristotle was actually the student of Plato. So Aristotle studied under Plato. Um, partially through his, during his studies, uh, Aristotle eventually breaks away and starts to take different perspectives on things. And what I want to go into today are some of those different perspectives and also a little bit... Um, of some of their influences and you know what kinds of ideas were influenced by Plato what kinds were influenced by Aristotle now the religious uh, owes a lot more uh, inspiration to Plato than they do to Aristotle but there is um, there is some of Aristotle that made its way into particularly Christian theology um, Christian belief systems uh, one of the things that uh, the religion borrowed from Plato was sort of the idea of getting rid of the uh, multiple gods who were contradictory and their stories didn't make sense because they were in constant conflict with each other. He felt that this was sort of something that would be um, detrimental to teach people that you know the heavens were in constant chaos. And this is definitely one of the ideas you get when you transition from polytheism to monotheism. You have one God in charge, and that's it. There is no conflict within himself. Uh, everything is more orderly. Now, the other thing that Plato sort of lends to religion is the idea that the world we live in is an imperfect world. It's a world that is not as um, real as the ideal world. So Plato talks a lot about the world of forms, and we talked about this when we talked about Plato. Um, everything in this in this world in particular, is simply a poor imitation of what exists in the perfect world. So any chair that we have is simply a poor imitation of the perfect ideal of chair. Uh, the kingdom of earth is only a uh, you know, cheap imitation of the kingdom of heaven, which is you know, sort of how the Christians uh, took this idea and, and went with it. You know, the kingdom of heaven is absolutely perfect, and it's only because this world is an imperfect representation of that that we have the problems that we do. Now, the uh, borrowings from Aristotle are also there. Um, one of the things that uh, Aristotle talks about is the um, teleological uh, belief. And uh, Christianity used this teleological belief to believe that everything is here for a purpose, which means everything was here by design. Um, Aristotle's view of the teleological was a little different than that, but that's how it kind of got converted into Christianity. With, with Aristotle's, he didn't so much worry about what was the why of everything being caused, you know, what, what caused everything. He explained things more in what they were heading towards. Um, and... For Aristotle, he uses the four causes to explain this. And the four causes for Aristotle 
Um, uh, the first one is the material cause. Everything that you have is made of some material. You have to have some material to start with. If you're making a dresser, uh, you have to start with the wood or the plastic or whatever it is that you're making the dresser out of. So that is your material cause. Um, it's the raw materials that are going to be put together. Um, then you have the formal cause. And the formal cause is kind of the design for the thing. Um, what, how that is going to be shaped into something that is useful. So the design is the formal cause. The efficient cause is the craftsperson who actually comes along and takes these raw materials and then transforms them into uh, the design. So that's the efficient cause. The final cause is the purpose, um, the teleology for the whole thing. You know, why did we take this wood, draw it into this uh, design and then have this person shape it into that design. Well, the purpose is it's a dresser. We're going to put clothes in it. So his uh, ideas of the teleological had more to do with explaining what things were aiming towards. And Aristotle very much felt that everything in nature was aiming towards something. Um, and so this this has a lot to do with a lot of his different philosophies, his ethics, and so forth. Uh, another area that I did want to get into was the ethics of Plato versus the ethics of Aristotle. Now, Plato, as we talked about when we talked about the Republic, felt that you had to build the perfect system, the perfect society, and then within that society you could start having just people. You couldn't have you know, a just ethical society or a just ethical person until you had a just and ethical society. So a large part of what Plato was doing in the Republic was trying to sort of map out what this society should look like. Uh, and, and Plato was very much looking for a society um, where everyone had a particular purpose, one particular purpose, and they should only be filling that one particular purpose. Uh, for example, if you are a um, carpenter, you should only be building things. If you are a uh, captain of a ship, you should only be captaining ships. Uh, if you are a guardian, which is the sort of the soldier class, you should only be a soldier. So he saw in his perfect society that everyone had a single function. And as long as everyone was performing that function the way they were supposed to be, Everyone was ethical and everything would be going well and everything would be happy. Now Aristotle's um, ethics is based uh, more on character. And people should be moving towards perfecting their character, whatever that character is. And he actually limit, or, uh, lists three different types of characters. Um, there is... And all of these characters are striving for happiness uh, in his ethics. The ethical life is the life that is um, the life that uh, is living correctly and, and bringing you happiness. And his lowest level of this is the person who finds happiness through pleasure. This is a person who pursues um, pleasure in order to be happy. And while Aristotle says, you know, this is this is a uh, fine way of doing things. Um, he doesn't see it as a very high way of doing things. He sees it as more of a lower and base way. Uh, one thing that Aristotle and Plato do share is sort of an idea of 
different levels of people. And some people are going to always be at one level uh, because that's where they belong. Um, they don't, you don't really have the enlightened idea that people can uh, so much improve to different levels. Um, there was kind of the belief that wherever you were stationed is, is what you should strive to be um, good at. Now the next um, layer of, uh, I guess you'd say, higher level of ethical person would be the social. Um, and this person is someone who tries to um, find happiness through increasing their social status, uh, either by being, you know, a good ruler, a good soldier, um, a successful business person, uh, you know, whatever their uh, avenue within society is, this is how they find their happiness. Now, this, again, is not the highest level. Um, there's one level that Aristotle talks about that is higher than that. And being a philosopher, you can probably guess that's the life of contemplation. Um, this is a life where happiness can be more complete because he sees in the other levels um, places where you can fail. You know, if you're pursuing pleasure, you don't always get what you want. Or sometimes you do get what you want and that pleasure causes you pain. For example, if you drink too much, you're happy for a while and then you suffer with the hangover afterwards. Uh, if you pursue love all the time, uh, sometimes you don't get the love you pursue and sometimes you do and uh, doesn't turn out to be what you thought it would be and you're unhappy. Uh, same thing with the pursuit of social status, the second level. In this pursuit, um, sometimes you're successful, sometimes people recognize you for what you've done, uh, which makes you happy, but sometimes you do great things and nobody notices or nobody recognizes. So this is kind of a, um, a way that is also uh, liable to fail because you are counting on that recognition from the outside. And it doesn't matter if you're doing right, if you're doing well, uh, you may or may not get that recognition from the outside. And so the highest level is the um, sort of the intellectual uh, ma uh, man of contemplation, um, where you are devoting your life to things like philosophy and learning and thinking. Um, because this... Aristotle sees as something that is gives you happiness in itself. Um, success and failure don't determine anything about this. As long as you are pursuing uh, contemplation, it doesn't matter if the outside world recognizes it or not. Um, you are doing something that is fulfilling in itself. Now, the thing that both of these two also did uh, was to form schools. Uh, Plato obviously being the teacher of Aristotle, his school is formed earlier. Uh, Plato forms his academy in about 387 BC. Um, Aristotle uh, later uh, forms his Lyceum in about 334 BC. Um, they both exist until about 86 uh, BC. This is when the Roman, uh, Roman general uh, Sulla comes in and basically destroys most of Athens and destroys the, you know, the, the temples, destroys the centers of learning, uh, basically destroys the two schools that were developed. Now, both of these schools um, 
were highly influential, as I, as I talked about towards the beginning. Um, Plato's schools went on to be very influential with Christian theologists. Um, Plato or Aristotle schools uh, tended to have their uh, major inspirations come a little later, um, come closer to in the Renaissance period, because for a while both Plato and Aristotle were somewhat lost, especially Aristotle, to Europe. Um, they come back into Europe in the Renaissance period. And part of the reason that Aristotle sort of becomes much more prominent and much more important is that one of the splits between Plato and Aristotle was that while Plato looked to the world of forms and this idealized world as being what's real, uh, Aristotle was much more about observation. Uh, Aristotle believed in, you know, figuring out things by the world, about the world through observation. And he actually does things like classification. He's one of the first people to do this, um, to classify animals by different uh, species. And, um, and he <clears throat> sort of looks at, you know, what type of features are common in particular species of animals. Uh, so he's very much the beginnings of what would be scientific inquiry into the world. Uh, in his Lyceum, um, prior to... Uh, opening it, he was uh, the tutor of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great is one of the financial um, reasons behind and financial supports behind the Lyceum. And in this Lyceum, um, Aristotle basically has one of the first zoos. Um, and, a, and a zoo similar to in a modern sense where you're, you know, having the different animals and kind of studying them and, um, and in captivity. Uh, he also has botanical gardens in this lyceum. Uh, now, this is something that had been done earlier in the Middle East, uh, but as far as in Western society, Aristotle is really the first ones to do these. Um, you know, you had botanical gardens and things like the, you know, the hanging gardens and, and things like that. Um, but in uh, the Western tradition, Aristotle's really the founder of this. And he sort of then, in a way, becomes the founder of zoology and botany, uh, even though those two things are picked up much later. Okay, I'm going to break off for there. I hope all of you are doing well. I hope all of you are staying safe. I hope to talk to you again soon.